Hello and welcome to Mobility Minute, a bite-sized podcast for people on the move. I'm your host, Justine Rusho from the Greater Mercer TMA. Every week, you'll find an episode about transportation and mobility that you can listen to when you're on the go. We also interview some pretty amazing people who work in different corners of the transportation space. Whether you drive, bike, walk, skate, roll, or take public transit, these episodes will guide you through the world of planning and transportation in New Jersey as we talk about how to make it safer, easier, and greener to get around in Mercer and Ocean County. Today's episode is about transportation planning, what it is, why it's important, and who's involved in it. You might be surprised to know that New Jersey is the most densely populated state in America. The Garden State is an important place for many reasons. Not only do we have some of the most cutting-edge industries, we are also home to a high concentration of educational, health, science, and technological resources. We are close to two major cities, New York and Philadelphia, and New Jerseyans find themselves right in the middle of much of the economic and political activities that happen in this part of the country. Transportation planning plays an important role in keeping all these people moving and able to access the opportunities in and around our great state. Not only does it have economic implications, the transportation planning process has a profound impact on our lives, how we get around our neighborhoods, and how we interact with the world around us. To help me explain the role of transportation planning and how it happens in New Jersey, I've invited a friend of mine, Jeff Perlman from the North Jersey Transportation Planning Authority. Jeff is a senior director of planning at the NJTPA, and he's responsible for overseeing and integrating metropolitan transportation planning for the North Jersey region. Previously, Jeff has worked as a planning consultant for a number of New Jersey municipalities. He's conducted a variety of planning studies, including master plans, redevelopment studies, and affordable housing plans. We are very lucky to have him with us today, and I'm so glad that he was able to make the time for this. Jeff, would you like to say hi? Thanks for having me. If you don't mind, I think we should jump in. Sure, sure. So tell me about your current role at the NJTPA. My current role is the Senior Director of Planning at the North Jersey Transportation Planning Authority. Mm -hmm. The NJTPA, for short, is uh, a metropolitan planning organization. We are federally mandated, and our job is to program federal transportation dollars. Mm -hmm. The recent bipartisan infrastructure law has increased the amount of federal funding pretty significantly. So there's it's exciting times at the uh, North Jersey Transportation Planning Authority. We also do a fair amount of planning across the region, and I should define the region. The NJTPA encompasses 13 northern and central New Jersey counties, Mm -hmm. right? So Bergen County, Essex County, down to Ocean County, and across uh, the middle part of the state, with the exception of of Mercer, but we include Millsex and Somerset and Hunter County and then up to Sussex and across. So we are essentially the greater New York City commuter shed, if you think of it that way. Our job is to work with planners, local governments, to identify transportation planning needs and develop projects to implement and address those needs. So that's a lot of important work. It sounds like there's funding, planning, programming, and decision-making going on. But what are some of the projects by the NJTPA that people might be able to recognize or get some visibility on? Most recently, our agency has completed a long-range transportation plan for our region, uh, and it goes out to 2050. It is, it's, it's really high level. It's, it's designed for the general public to, to read and understand. So. Right. 
Right. So what are the kinds of things that the NJTPA typically considers when making these long-range plans? I imagine transportation planning must touch upon a lot of things like land use, the environment, economic development, maybe even housing. So is the long-range transportation plan just about transportation or other aspects of urban planning as well? Yeah, so the long-range plan sets out planning goals, and you hit on some of them, and I'll just highlight a few. Um, It's clear that we want to be a competitive region economically. So that's one planning goal to promote and sustain economic our economic competitiveness. We uh, have a goal for uh, we understand that transportation does impact uh, the built environment. So we we do uh, have planning goal to grow the region wisely, right? So um, you know the issues of suburban sprawl or urban sprawl uh, is front and center of what we think about. Right. We also are very concerned with safety safety of the transportation system. Mm-hmm. And that's one topic maybe we'll we'll circle back with later. We also are very concerned with air, you know, pollution, air quality, as well as climate change and greenhouse gases. And so that is um, an element of our long of our one of our planning goals, as well as providing access to all, you know, transportation access, access to all of the region's residents. Uh, you know, with a particular emphasis on low income, disabled seniors and veterans Mm -hmm. as another part of our long range planning, uh, you know, emphasis, Mm -hmm. as well as social equity. You know, so there's a, it really, it's not just transportation. We understand that transportation affects a whole gamut of, of, you know, of how communities and how the region operates. Right, right. So I understand that the role of the NJTPA is to think about the priorities from a regional level, but I'm curious to know how does that play into the decision-making process at a local level? Like how does that affect what kinds of projects are prioritized in individual local neighborhoods? That's a very good question. I'm glad you asked it. Uh, so <laughs> the long-range plan informs the projects that we fund. So many of your listeners are, you know, maybe cons- uh, concerned about, well, are we going to get another rail tunnel under the Hudson, right? Part of the gate, larger gateway suite of rail infrastructure investments. And that's in our plan. So we, I, and we have to adopt a financial element to that plan. The fact is we're laying out priorities in that plan. So we lay out a priority and and it says gateway is a component of the transportation's investments of the region. And it's in the plan. And so when federal funding is made available, it can go to that project. That's one connection. The other connection is that when, you know, we take a large, a big, you know, sort of high level plan and we work with our county and local governments to develop other planning studies to take those bigger planning goals and apply them at a local level. So we Mm -hmm. fund local studies. Yeah. So in this process, the NJTPA's job is to identify the most important priorities and projects of the region. And this really impacts what we fund and how we fund it at a local level and at a regional level. So I understand there's a lot of research and evaluation that goes into it, into this. And um, as right. you said, there's a lot of collaboration with the county and local governments. But I am curious to know how much or how little do the general public actually get to influence these decisions? Right. You know, like to put a character or a personality to it, how would a 
a high school teacher, a young couple, yes. a mom of three, um, community member be able to bring their concerns and ideas about the future of their communities to be part of this plan? Is that a part of the evaluation process? Yeah, good question. Our plan included a very um, robust public input uh, process, even during COVID, where you know where we, we our planning our plan was developed right you know much of it developed before vaccines were widely available, and we used you know the internet and we used a variety of social media avenues to to get public input, and we got lots of public input, and and so that input is reflected in the plan. You know, and if you read the plan, you'll see that there are quotes from public input all throughout the plan. That's one way. And I should I should say that the MPO is uh, has a board of trustees, which is comprised of county commissioners from the 13 counties, plus a representative from the city of Newark and city of Jersey City. You know, we work very closely with New Jersey DOT and Transit and Port Authority of New York and New Jersey. Each of those have representation on our board. And then there's the governor's rep and a citizen's rep. So our meetings are public. And anybody from the public can you know, attend them. We live stream them. They're virtual right now. We have had virtual meetings since March of 2020. And we have seen an increase in the public participation because of, because it's it's virtual. And you don't have to fight traffic to get to downtown Newark where our right. offices are located. Right. So it's good that you should mention that. I was wondering what you thought about, you know, using these relatively new components to the planning process. You know, since March 2020, we've had to integrate a lot of virtual planning and virtual communication. So how do you think that fares against traditional in-person activities when it comes to the planning process? I think what we've learned uh, through, you know, developing new outreach techniques is we're going to keep those, you know, as we move back towards more in-person events, I, I think we're going to keep the virtual option mm-hmm. because those were beneficial. And then when you marry them to the more traditional in-person events, right. I think you get an overall stronger, you know, more robust public engagement. Right. So I guess there's a really big emphasis in public input in the process of planning and the pandemic has really been a catalyst event for us trying and integrating new strategies to achieve that kind of collaboration. So having communication skills is probably a really big essential in the toolkit of someone who works in the space. Mm. What um what I think is important for for our agency and for you know public agencies is to be able to understand how to convert the technical components of planning uh, and to present them in clear, concise ways that the public not can only just understand it but also engage with it, and mm-hmm. I'll have a very productive dialogue. Right. So. Something I really wanted to talk about with you is how intersectional the field of planning is. Not just the type of work we do and who we talk to, but also the kind of people who work in planning. There are a lot of planners who don't start out as planners, but find themselves drawn to planning one way or another, and they end up contributing in meaningful ways. I didn't start in planning, and I know you didn't either, so I have two questions. One, how does one become a transportation planner in New Jersey? And what was your path to planning like? My path to planning is sort of convoluted. I started as a molecular biologist. That's not exactly planning adjacent. Yeah. And, and the thing about planning is, mm-hmm. as a profession, I mean, New Jersey, I mean, there is a, there is a national certification to be a planner. Mm-hmm. And in New Jersey, to practice planning, you need to be licensed. But leaving that aside, it, it, you don't need a degree in planning to be engaged 
and um, and to have an uh, an informed opinion and be and, and contribute to decision making. Right. So how did you find planning by way of microbiology? You know, so I started in the, you know, in biotechnology, molecular biology as an undergraduate, got my degree there. And I worked in the private sector for a while. And then I went back to grad school and was pursuing a PhD program in molecular biology. Around the year 2000, I got involved in student government. I was uh, elected president of the Rutgers Graduate Student Association. What I realized pretty soon was, as being a being a uh, you know representative of graduate student concerns, mm-hmm. um, what graduate students were telling me was they had issues related to transportation and housing. Housing was expensive. Uh, getting to the grocery store uh, to buy food was a challenge, especially for for those international students who were coming to the United States without a vehicle. Oh, a challenge! And yeah, right. And I didn't have a vehicle either. <laughs> and then the Rutgers in 2002 began a, you know, a facilities, a capital facilities master plan. And I delved in to that, right? And so that's um, how you got your start. Yeah. I mean, basically, you know, I saw how the planning process was going for this master plan. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the Graduate Student Association took a very strong stance related to sustainability, mm-hmm. environmental sustainability, uh, clean, you know, green buildings, uh, transportation, energy use. And so we, the, the, the Rutgers Graduate Student Association developed a sustainability committee and we pushed the university to integrate sustainable elements into the master plan. And I ended up doing a lot of this work and I had no background for it. That's a lot of work for someone who is new to the space. I, <laughs> I had no background for it. Yeah, I had no background for it. And and I ended up having to learn a mm-hmm. lot on my own. Mm-hmm. Uh, and But there were a lot of graduate students in the ecology and evolution department and at Blaustein School who were engaged as well. And that's how I met faculty and staff at the Blaustein School for planning in urban planning and public policy. So it sounds like you were in the right place at the right time then. And thank you so much for sharing your fascinating origin story. It it really goes to show that the process can involve people from totally different backgrounds as long as they have the passion and the willingness to engage. I, that, you know, I, I, and I still teach now. I mean, my day job is NJTPA, but I do adjunct at the Boston School and I do teach undergraduates intro to planning and history and theory of planning. And few know they want to be planners in high school. It's just not something that I think a lot of uh, a lot of high school students are thinking about. They may be interested in, in architecture. Um, they may be interested in, in design, uh, but planning as a profession is not sort of something that is salient to high school students or even guidance counselors. And so I'm seeing students computer science, biology business economics, public health, they're coming from all from all different, you know, sort of disciplines. And that's planning. Planning is interdisciplinary. The field has has always been that way in, in, in some regard. So that's the end of our episode on MPOs. I'd like to give a big thank you to Jeff Perlman from the NJTPA for joining me and helping me illustrate the breadth of what an MPO or Metropolitan Planning Organization does and who can get involved in transportation planning work. This episode was part of a longer conversation where Jeff and I got deep into the history of planning and talked about some of his professional and personal views about planning in our region. I will be releasing it as a special episode in the next few weeks, so watch out for that. 
If you like this episode and want to hear more, you can follow us and subscribe to Mobility Minute to get new episodes every week. Connect with us on Instagram at Mobility Minute Pod or on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at GMTMA to hear the latest news and updates from us throughout the week. You can also find us on our website at gmtma.org to access our resource library and learn more about what we do. That's gmtma.org. I'll drop all these links in the description box for you. Signing off, I'm Justine Rasho, and this is Greater Mercer TMA's Mobility Minute, a bite-sized podcast for people on the move. Thank you so much for joining me today, and happy travels.